This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. So, uh, before we go any further, we try and get into the Word. Let's pray so I don't mess this stuff up on my own. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness, your love. God, we are humbled today as we just sit and consider for a moment the fact that you, the God of the, crea- the God of the universe, creator of all things, that you're mindful of us right now, little old us, um, that you are causing the universe to spin, um, you're holding everything in its place at, its, at this very moment at all times, and still at the same time you're mindful of us. It's an awesome thing, God. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you um, would help us, uh, that you would turn on your light, that you would help us see truth today. If we attempt to get into the Bible and into the scriptures, without your help, Holy Spirit, uh, we can get into error. We can uh, misunderstand things. So God, I pray that one, you would protect me as I speak, protect me from pride. It's so easy for me to get into pride up here on this stage. I pray that you protect me from error. I pray on behalf of the hearers and the listeners that you would Protect them from uh, misunderstanding anything. Protect them from error or wrong beliefs. Um, protect them from offense, from something that might be biblical, that might be hard to receive. God, I pray that you would open us all up to the truth, guard us from error, um, and let us grow closer to you today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Um, a lot lately, Pastor Derek has been talking about the gospel. He's been talking about it a lot. Um, two weeks ago, he preached a message on the gospel. Even a couple months ago, he was on the gospel again. And two weeks ago, uh, you know, we were in our Contend series, which we just wrapped up last week about learning what we believe, why we believe it, having conviction about what we believe. Um, two weeks ago, he was preaching this message on the gospel, on what is the gospel. And I'm so thankful for it. I, I love that message. It was so good. I was sitting in the back, and I was just getting so charged up, I wanted to just like run a lap around the building and throw chairs and just high-five people, because I was getting so excited. Uh, yes, that's weird. That is a little weird, okay? So let's not do that today if you get excited. Um, but he was preaching, and I, I, my concern, I was sitting there, and I was thinking, man, this is so good. We need this so much. This is so important for us to understand. My only concern is, I hope, I hope that people aren't sitting there thinking, the gospel again? Again? The gospel again? Or sitting there thinking, yeah, the gospel, we get it. I understand. You know, Jesus died for my sins, right? Okay, can we get into something deeper? Can we go a little further into something else? And so that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, my message is kind of into two parts. The first half, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about the gospel, expounding a little bit more on it, shining a little more light, turning over a couple more leaves, just digging a little further into it. And the second half of my message is going to be following after that is, is now what? Because a lot of people are in that position where you, you, you think, all right, I've got the gospel. Yeah, I, I, I've, I'm born again. I'm a Christian. But now what? We keep hearing about the gospel, and that's what I want to talk about. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and grab it, and let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 in the New Testament. Um, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to get there in just a second. Um, and concerning all this, the conversation we've had as of late towards the gospel, 
Um, I was so excited and am so excited that that's been the center point of our conversation because really that's the center point of the Bible. That's the center point of Christianity. That is the center point of our lives um, after Christ as well. Um, the, the gospel is the most important thing you can know. It is the most important thing to know, to study and understand. And one, it's one thing to, to hear a gospel, but it's important that we understand the right gospel because there are wrong gospels. There are wrong gospels. If you look at the book of Galatians, that is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church that was in the town of Galatia. And he wrote this letter to them, and the whole gist of the letter is, listen, you used to believe the gospel. I preached the gospel of the grace of God to you, but now someone has snuck into your church. People have snuck in, and they've started to teach you wrong things like, now that you've been saved, you have to still be circumcised. You still have to uh, follow the Mosaic law. You still have to go through all these check marks um, to be saved. And Paul says some pretty harsh terms with them. He says... You foolish Galatians. That's pretty blunt. That's pretty strong. That's pretty confrontational. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That'd be the equivalent of me standing up here and saying, you dummies. (laughs) Whose lies are you listening to? That's what he said to them. And he goes on to say, this actually, this gospel that you've been receiving from these people is actually not a gospel at all. It's not the gospel. So there's things that, what that shows us is there's things that we can see, we can have taught, we can understand, we can receive that sound like the gospel or are close or relative to the gospel that are not the gospel. It's important we understand and believe the right gospel. You guys just saw my beautiful fiance, Katie. I mean, what if I went up to her one day and I just said, oh, Katie, I just love you so much. And I just hugged her and it was just like a sweet moment. I was just... I just love you so much. I, I just love your long black hair, and I love your, your deep brown eyes, and I love how beautifully you play the piano. And that's like, oh, that's so sweet. The only problem is she's a blonde. She has green eyes, and she doesn't play the piano. I can love those things about someone, but not her, because that's not her. It's important you understand and believe the truth. Because some people think things about God that are not truth from the Scripture. It's like Pastor Derek talked about last week, getting into the Bible and rightly dividing Scripture. It's important that we believe the right gospel. So real quick, I'm going to touch on three of the probably the most common and most popular wrong gospels. We hear these all the time, and it's important that we address these because they're, they're, they're in front of us all the time. These three Uh, And there's more than this, but these are the three most popular, I think, wrong Gospels. The first one is the follow Jesus and get everything you've ever wanted Gospel. That, hey, if you follow Jesus, you're going to get everything you ever want. Come on, come to Jesus, and he's going to bless your socks off. He's going to make you rich. He's going to give you a mansion and give you the nicest car. And he's going to make everything uh, just lovely in your life, and it's going to be beautiful. And, and, and that sounds awesome. Like, sign me up, right? Who wouldn't want that? Sounds great. And there are shades and hints of truth in it. And that's the dangerous thing about it. Is that if you do come to Jesus, he will bless you. He will take care of you. We see in Matthew 6 that Jesus said, your heavenly father knows everything you have need of. And so you don't have to worry about those things. But 
that is not a full, true gospel. Uh, one, we can see in Scripture, and then two, even beyond that, we can see experientially in our lives that that's not the gospel. Because one, if you look in the Bible, you see that people still got sick after being born again. Paul told Timothy, he said, drink a little wine for your frequent infirmities. And you can see all of the apostles died really badly. So it's like, well, where was their faith? You know, were they, where were they? Were they out of the will of God? Well, you can see where God told the apostle Paul in the book of Acts. You can see where God told him, now I want you to go to Jerusalem. You're going to preach to them there, and you're going to die there. God told Paul that. And some of Paul's best friends, God told them the same thing. And they're like, Paul, don't go. Don't go. You're going to die in Jerusalem. And Paul says, I got to go. I'm going to go. The Lord told me to go. I know what's ahead of me. I know what's coming, but I got to go. That doesn't really line up with the whole follow Jesus and everything's going to be awesome gospel, right? You, you can see the John the Baptist in the Bible. You can see where uh, he's having some hardships. He's in jail. Uh, things aren't going good for him. And so he sends one of his disciples to Jesus to ask Jesus, hey, things aren't going well for me. Are you the one? I just need to make sure. And Jesus says, the, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the dead are being raised. I'm him. I am the one. And then Jesus goes on to say, and further, let me tell you something else. This isn't going to end well for you. You're going to be beheaded. That doesn't sound like the, yeah, follow Jesus and everything's going to be awesome, right? So that gospel is automatically shot down in scripture. We can also see that in our lives that after being born again, we still get sick sometimes. We still go through hardship and struggles. So it's obvious that that's not the gospel. Uh, that's a wrong gospel. The next wrong gospel that we see is the follow Jesus and he'll fix all your problems gospel. Um, this is a lot of times what we use uh, for people who are uh, battling addictions. Maybe you've been addicted to drugs or you've had an alcoholic uh, issue um, or you've been addicted to pornography or different things like that. We'll tell people, if you'll get saved, if you'll come to Jesus, um, then he'll, he'll set you free from those things. Now, listen to me. There's an element of truth there. Many, many, many people have been born again and immediately, miraculously, by the power of the Holy Spirit, been set free from addictions. And that's an awesome thing. I've seen, I've seen that happen before. I've seen what happens more is people get saved and then have a really long process of working through those things and breaking those habits and letting the Holy Spirit work in their heart to set them free from those things. And the reason I can tell you that that's not the gospel is if, if getting off of drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever different things there might be, whatever addictions, I've only using the three popular ones, there's more than that. If, if getting off of those things was the point of the gospel, then you wouldn't be able to do that without faith coming to faith in Christ. And people do. There's people who are not Christians who go to rehabs and such like that that get off of drugs. It happens all the time. Hooray, that's a good thing. You know, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying that's wrong. That's great that that happens. Thank God that that happens. But if it were the gospel, then it couldn't happen without Jesus. Okay? And so then that's, that's another wrong gospel. Now, I'm not saying, like I said, God intervenes on those parts. Uh, earlier when I was talking about healing and prosperity and things like that, God still does 
heal people today. He still does miracles today. He still provides for people today. He's intervening on all of our behalf more than we're even aware of. But it's that in itself is not the gospel. Third, mo- uh, another more popular gospel is the stop sinning and be good so you can go to heaven gospel. Stop sinning and be good so you can make it to heaven. This is huge. This is popular. This is the default human position. It's to think, okay, well, if there's a God, um, he's God and he's all powerful and stuff. And uh, I know if I don't follow him and stuff, you know, I'm going to go to hell and stuff. So that doesn't sound fun and stuff. So I guess I should follow Jesus. Guess I should be a good Christian. And that is another false gospel. Because listen, heaven is not for people who are scared of going to hell. Heaven is for people who love God. Heaven is for people who have been born again, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, become a new creature that have been reconciled to God. It's not for people who are like, uh, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to be good, because that is works-driven. That is you thinking you're going to be good enough to get to heaven, and let me tell you something, that's impossible to be good enough to get to heaven. The only way we're good enough to get to heaven is because Jesus was good as our substitute. We couldn't be good enough. Jesus lived a perfect life in our place and died in our place so we could go to heaven. And so from that, we have to look at these Gospels. And one thing that can help you discern right and wrong Gospels is by asking yourself, what's the heart? What is the drive of this message? If you look at that first one, the the follow Jesus and, and he'll make you rich and all this kind of stuff, Gospel. Well, what's the heart of that? Why do I want that? If it's because he's going to make me rich and bless me and keep me healthy all of my life and yada, yada, yada. Well, that's a very self-centered drive. That's a very self-centered heart motive. It is uh, very greed-driven. And, then, and that doesn't sound like God heart motives. If you look at the second one, that uh, the follow Jesus and he'll fix all your problems gospel, that's very works-driven. It's very, I did it. I accomplished it. I did the steps. I made it. I broke the habit. All right. Thanks, Jesus. If you look at the third one, stop sinning and be good so you can go to heaven gospel, it is very fear-driven, and fear is a horrible motivator. It would be the equivalent of me coming up to saying, coming up to someone with a gun and saying, hey, I want you to fall in love with her. Now, do it. And you're like, uh, okay, <laughs> I love you. Do you? Do you really? No. You're trying to, out of fear, prevent the bullet, and so you try to force love. And that doesn't work. God sees your heart. And so if you come to God just because you're scared of going to hell, that's not genuine salvation. That's just hell avoidance. You're trying to avoid hell. And, and that's not genuinely falling in love. In the Gospels, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a man who is walking through a field. He found in that field this load of treasure. And for joy over what he found... He goes and sells everything he has so that he can buy that field. That's what salvation is like. It's like realizing the beauty, the awe, the wonder, the gift, the eternal prize of what Jesus is and realizing that there is nothing else in your life or maybe not even in your life, there's nothing else in this world that compares to the wealth of knowing Jesus. As Paul said it in Philippians 3, 
All these things I count as rubbish next to knowing Christ. When you compare anything in this life with knowing Jesus Christ, it's rubbish. Another translation says it's dog dung compared to knowing Jesus Christ. And so you realize from the gospel, the goal is not getting God's things. It's not getting the blessings. It's not these things. It's not getting God's stuff. It's getting God. The goal of the gospel is that you get Jesus. Would you be happy? This is a very kind of confronting question, but you have to ask yourself, if you got to heaven, if you died and you went to heaven and you got up there and it was everything you thought, it was the pearly gates and it was more than we could even fathom with our earthly minds right now, if it was just beautiful and amazing, all that we think it's going to be, and Jesus wasn't there, would you still be happy about being there? You've got to ask yourself that because those things are not the goal of heaven. Jesus is the goal of heaven. When we get to heaven, we're not going to go, oh, wow, pearly gates. Oh, streets of gold. Oh, this is so cool. I can live underwater. I'm, we don't even know about that. That's speculation. But, you know, the, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be going, oh, wow, this is so cool. When we get to get heaven, we're going to be going, Jesus. Oh, my God. That's the only response we're going to have. That's the only thing we're going to even be able to think because he emanates glory in a way that our minds right now cannot even imagine. So what's the goal of these gospels? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at a right gospel. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to be in the NIV right now. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's talking about the devil, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us used to live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's a big word for sins. It is by, what's that word? Oh, come on, are you embarrassed for yourself the way I'm embarrassed for you right now? Grace. What's that word? Grace. It is by grace. You have been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, this is one of the most important verses in the Bible for you to get. If there is a verse in your Bible that should be highlighted, underlined, arrows pointing to it going, wow, it's this verse. This is one of the most important ones. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Amen? For we are God's handiwork, not ours. We're not our handiwork. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
So what is the gospel? We see it right here. This is one of the best passages to help us understand the gospel. It says, you were dead in trespasses. You were dead in your sins. But God, because of his great love for us, he, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. We were dead in sin. Jesus has made us alive. What is the gospel? The gospel is not about our little problems in life. And I'm not trying to belittle our problems. We go through real things. The gospel is not about um, making us rich and giving us the yada yada perfect life. Woohoo! The gospel is not about breaking our addiction. The gospel fixes the greatest problem in history, the greatest tragedy in mankind's history, and that is the estrangement of our relationship with God because of our sin. God made us, we were one with him, we sinned, and we were estranged from him because of our mistakes, our errors, our sins, our rebellion against him. And he is so good, so gracious, so merciful, so loving that he says, even though you have rebelled against me, even though you have spit in my face, even though you have defamed me and belittled my name, I will show you how great my name is. I will show you how awesome I am by conquering your sin to bring you back to me. That is the gospel. That is the good news. If you didn't know that, the word gospel means good news. That is the good news. We messed it up. God fixed it. It's like this. It's as if you were in this burning building or before the burning building. It's as if God told you, hey, don't play with matches. They're dangerous. And you're like, okay, okay, sure. And then someone else comes along and says, hey, you want to come play with matches? It's really fun. And you're like, no, God said don't play with matches. And you're like, oh, they say, well, no, 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 no. I play with matches all the time. You just strike it, and it's like, and the little flame's dancing, and it's pretty. It's kind of mesmerizing. It's cool, and then you can just blow it out, and then there's even kind of an interesting smell that follows. And you're like, oh, all right, sounds cool. I'm going to play with some matches. And you strike one up, and you're like, Haha, see, that is kind of nice. And then you find this bucket of water, and you throw it in the bucket of water to put it out. Only problem is the bucket of water was not a bucket of water. It was a bucket of gasoline. And so because of that, combustion takes place, flames shoot everywhere, the building catches on fire, you are singed from head to toe, you got to stop, drop, and roll, you do that, <laughs> right? We learned that in elementary, right? You know, stop, drop, roll, okay? And so everything's up in flames. In that scenario, there's three ways to get out of the building. One, right now, if this building were on fire, what would you do? You get up, run out, right? Hopefully we have enough common sense for that. You get up and run out. If you've got kids, I'm sure you're going to grab them and get out. But let's say that maybe in the hustle and bustle, frantic situation of what it would probably be like, you know, you practice the fire drills where you're like, let's walk in single file, kids. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's going to be like, out of my way, you know. And so say that in all the hustle and bustle, you trip, fell, bum your knee, and you can't like walk anymore. You're kind of hobbling, limbling, uh, hobbing, hobbling and limping. There we go. And so you're like, hey, hey, someone comes up, and they're like, I got you, and they shoulder up under you, and you know, you're able to make it out that way. And so that's cool. You get out of the building still, but, but there's someone who helped you is also somewhat of a hero. They, they helped you out, and so it's like, hey, thanks. We did it. We got out. Yeah. We're not dead. <laughs> and then there is the third scenario, which is we threw it. We were right close to the flames. That's what happened. And... So because of that, our entire body is burnt, 
we are severely injured and hindered and incapable of getting up and walking out. And so we're in that situation and we're sitting there realizing the building's up in flames, it's going down. I'm helpless. The only way I'm going to get out of this building is if I say, help! Because I can't do it on my own. And so I need someone to acknowledge that I need help. And they come in and pick me up and carry me out because I can't do it on my own. Now, that's the position of the true gospel. It is realizing I can't do any of this on my own. I need a savior. I need Jesus. I need someone to pick me up because I messed this up and I can't do this on my own. The problem is a very huge portion of people who are Christians or believe that they are Christians are actually in the second category. They realize Jesus died for them, for their sins and everything like that, but they think that Christianity is getting Jesus' help to go through life, which is wrong. Christianity is Jesus doing it all, picking you up. As we see from Ephesians chapter 2, it is by grace. It is the gift of God through faith, not works, lest any man should boast. In the kingdom of God, none of us should be, none of us have the right to walk with a swagger. We can't go, hey, I'm a Christian. You know, I got it going on. I belong to Jesus. Hey, yo. Can't do that. Why? Because you did nothing. You had faith. That was it. And let me go ahead and take that from you because in Ephesians chapter 2, the passage we just read, verse 8, where the Apostle Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, talking about faith, your faith, and that not of yourself. He's talking about your faith. Your faith didn't even come from you. It was a gift from God. You cannot even believe in God without the gift of Him giving you the faith. So we have no opportunity to go, hey, yeah, I'm a Christian. No, the posture of the Christian is God is good, right? The posture of someone who has been saved, if I get taken out of this burning building, my posture is, thank you. Do you see what they did for me? It's not, I got out of the building, hey, we made, I made it out. No, my posture is, they saved me. So no man can boast. And it is the same after receiving the gospel too. After we are born again. Jesus didn't open the door for us to start working and earning things. Jesus didn't open the door to the kingdom so we could come in and start trying to be good so now we can earn the blessings because Jesus has opened the door to let us into God's family. That's not it. It's all by grace. It's all through faith. It's all about Him. It's all for His glory. As we pointed out those three false gospels earlier and what their drives were, one was fear-driven, one was works-driven, one was greed-driven, the true gospel of Jesus Christ is driven by His glory. It's for His glory. Thank God that His glory is also for our good. Amen? Amen. And so it's important that we believe right gospels. That's a little bit of clarity as to what the gospel is. So now what? We've got the gospel. Now what? Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. If then 
You were raised with Christ. That's what we just read in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were raised to new life in Christ. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on the things of earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. There's a whole lot more there that I was going to read, but for time's sake, I think I'm going to skip that for now. I'd encourage you to read all of chapter 3 on your own after service is over. Um, so right there we see in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 that, that uh, Paul says, If you were raised to life in Christ, set your mind on the things above, not on the things on this earth. The New Living Translation, I like it, says, it says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. So the gospel, now what? I've got the gospel, I'm born again, now what? Well, let's set our sights, set our mind on the realities of that. We have to consider that, and I have to charge you with this. You've got to think about what you are thinking about. You've got to think about what you're thinking about. Because you're having a conversation with yourself all day long. Now, I'm not talking about weirdos who walk around talking to yourself audibly like you're in the store and you're like, Stephen, what do you think about this shirt? Oh, I think it's nice. I like it. You should try it on. Oh, I think I will. Thanks. What do you think? That's a little weird. You shouldn't do that. If you do, we want to talk to you and pray for you after service, okay? <laughs> I'm not talking about that. There is a conversation happening internally in our minds all day long. You're having conversation right now as you're discerning what I'm telling you. It's important that we're aware of that. Because you are preaching to yourself. And I found in my life, and I know in yours as well, that oftentimes there is a disconnect between what we know, what we can preach and, and teach and discuss and tell, and what we know and think and believe and kind of do sometimes, right? I know for me, I know the gospel. I know that Christ is all that matters. I know that if I have him, I have everything I need. I want for nothing more, but at the same time, I know, you know, I'm getting married soon and I've been looking at houses and such and stuff like that. I've got a place for now, but down the road I'm going to want to buy a house. And I know for me, it's really easy for me to go, oh, but if I could have a house like that. And what's happening in that moment is my heart's going, if I had a house like that, I would be something. If I had a house like that, I would be happier. If I had a house that had these features and these amenities, <laughs> people would know a little something about me. <laughs> and what happens in that moment is I am forgetting the gospel. The gospel that tells me, no, 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 you're not special. You are special because God chose you and that's it. And the, also... Let's take it a little further. And Stephen, having that house will not fulfill you and satisfy you. Just like all of us can be honest and admit that there are things in our lives that we got that when we first got them, we were like, yeah, new iPhone came out. And then a month later, you're like, oh yeah, iPhone. Or you got your new car and you're like, yes, I finally got a new car, got rid of the hoopty, and it gives you just this like, yeah. But down the road, does it give you that yeah? No. Because things will not fulfill you. Things will not satisfy you the way Jesus and the Spirit of God inside of you as a born-again Christian will, right? Amen. 
And so every single day I'm having this conversation that's teaching me, that's preaching to me, that's dictating my beliefs and my actions if I'm not aware of it. And it's important. I have to preach the gospel to myself every day. You have to preach the gospel to yourself every day. Why? Just like Pastor Derek's quoted Martin Luther several times lately, when Martin Luther said, I have to preach the gospel to myself every day because I forget it every day. That is the truth. Let me tell you something. I don't care how old you are, how long you've been a Christian, how many church services you go to, blah, blah, blah. If you do not get this down that you're going to have to preach to yourself every day, you're in for some hardship that you're not going to be able to be sustained through. Because these conversations that happen in your mind that you're not aware of, I want to tell you about 2 Corinthians 10.5, the Apostle Paul, he said, we are to cast down arguments and vain imaginations that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What is he saying? He's saying there's thoughts that happen that are in conflict, they're contrary to what we know according to Scripture. If you have, uh, maybe you get laid off. There is an immediate opportunity for fear, worry, anxiety. But if you can preach the gospel to yourself and remind yourself, my father loves me, he is for me, he is for my good, he knows what I have need of, I have Jesus even if I lost everything I have in this life, if I have Jesus, I still have all I need can preach the gospel to myself, and in that moment of trial, hardship, worry, then peace comes. About six months ago, I was in, I was in Walmart, which is enough, you know, to bring hardship on you anyways, and uh, just kidding. Um, actually, it was a very, uh, I was having a kind of a, I was in a hard point in my life. I was, str- uh, I was just in a funk, is what I would say. You ever been there? You, you just, you're in a funk, you know? I was in this funk, and uh, I was uh, having some, some challenges with some of my coworkers, uh, which means church staff, you know. We were at, <laughs> we were at odds with each other on some things. And, and, well, let me fix that. I was at odds with them on some things. It was my heart that was in the wrong place. I was the one having the internal issues. I was struggling and wrestling and had some bad attitudes about some things. And, and because of that, I was just letting it weigh on me, and I was just in a funk, and it was, several, it was probably two weeks, and I'm just tired of it. I'm walking, I remember, I say Walmart because I remember when this happened. I was in Walmart, and it was the first time Pastor Derek preached the message about Christ is enough, and it was later in that week, and I'm in Walmart, and I'm just like griping to myself, you know, Debbie Downer all on myself, and just like, oh, I can't believe they're like this, and they're doing this, and, they, and I'm just like, Poof. The Holy Spirit just confronts me. And I just, I'm confronted with the question, is Christ enough for this situation? What if, what if this situation doesn't play out the way I want it to and the way I think it should? Is, is having Jesus Christ enough? And sitting there in Walmart, I said, Christ is enough. In fact, I want to say I was with Josh. Were you with me? We were kind of, yeah. We were at Walmart together, and I, <laughs> and I stopped, and I think I said this to you, and I said, I, I got to remember Christ is enough. And after I said that to myself, it was like, oh, my peace was restored. 
My joy was restored. My worry, my anger, my bitterness, all were just gone. Why? Is it because any truth changed or anything like that? No, it's simply because I reminded myself of the truth. I preached the gospel to myself. I'm greatly encouraged by Psalms 42 when King David, the psalmist, he said, Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Notice he didn't say, uh, Why are you guys so downcast? Put your hope in God. He didn't say, Dave, why so downcast? Put your hope in God. He didn't say, Eric, why so downcast? Put your hope in God. He said, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. He was preaching to himself. We can see in the book 1 Samuel when King Saul was trying to kill David and he was running. He was in exile. And it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Because listen, when you're here at church and you're singing the songs and the music's going and it's all really inspiring and Pastor Derek gets up here and he preaches a message and you're like, yeah, love Jesus forever, man. Nothing can take my joy. Woohoo! It's easy to think and feel that way. But then Monday comes and you go to work and there's that co-worker that's like the thorn in your side. Or there's this situation at home, this, this frustration at home. There's all these different things that come up. And you don't have your pocket Pastor Derek to go, <laughs> oh yeah, Jesus is enough. You can't pull the praise team out of your pocket and be like, come on guys, help me, encourage me. That doesn't happen, it doesn't work. You are with yourself. You have to be able to preach the gospel to yourself every day. And remind yourself that, that the Holy Spirit lives in you as a born-again child of God. That, that you have God's presence in you at all times, that he's with you, that he's sustaining you, that the peace is according to him, that the joy comes from him, that he is our joy and he lives inside of us. And so I have joy that should not be circumstantial, right? You have to be able to preach the gospel to yourself every day. The gospel is not a one-time transaction that we graduate as we mature in our faith. That's what a lot of people think. They're like, all right, Got my gospel stamp. All right, now let's move on. Teach me how to do this. No, you have to remind yourself of the gospel every day. On the contrary, we mature in our faith by learning more how to live in light of the gospel on a daily basis. 14 years ago, when I was 15 years old, if you want to do math, I'm 29. 14 years ago, I got my driver's permit. First time I got into my parents' minivan, with my dad in the passenger seat to learn how to drive, crank it, put it in drive. I'm like, all right, here we go. Dad's like, son, seatbelt, uh, seatbelt, click. All right, ready to drive. Gas, <laughs> Eat. and then the, the darm comes out, the dad arm, you know, something comes out. Whoa, slow down, easy, ease into it. Okay, yeah, yeah, ease into it. All right. Uh, all right, stop sign's coming up, son. Stop sign, stop sign, stop sign. Okay, and jerk, you know, we've all seen those. You see that student driver tag, and you're like, oh, I'm going this way. Um, you're like, you know, all jerky and everything like that. Why? Because you're learning. It's new to you. And, and then you're thinking, okay, a turn's coming up. I got to hit the blinker, okay? I drove here this morning, and I turned on my blinker probably, let me think, one, two, three, four, five, six times, and I seriously cannot really remember any of those times. 
right? You don't think about turning on the blinker anymore. It's autonomous for you. It's automatic. Why? Because you've matured as a driver. So it's not that we graduate the gospel, we get past the gospel. The more mature you become in your faith, it becomes more automatic for you. These issues that pop up and come up where you have to preach to yourself, it's just that you're going to mature to the point to where maybe in that area you don't have to encourage yourself as much anymore. It's not that you get past the gospel, it's you use the gospel over and over again for yourself on a daily basis. Amen? Amen? Because, uh, another thing, you know, we're getting married, uh, 19 days, we're getting married, the wedding is at her house. They've got a you know, big farm estate, and it's, it's awesome, it's beautiful. We've been doing a lot of yard work for like all summer, <laughs> getting ready. And so we've been doing all this thing. And so every Saturday has been like, you know, get ready. And it's like, all right, guys, what are we, uh, Carl, Jackie, those are going to be my in-laws. What are we doing today? And they're like, well, today we're going to, uh, let's see, what are we going to do today? We're going to uh, cut down pine tree branches over here, and then we're going to drag them over here. We're going to burn them, and then we're going to weed the gardens. And it's like, okay, cool. Um, I hate weeding, but it needs to get done. So we're going to do it. All right, yeah, let's do this. And so we do it. And we work hard and we pull weeds and do everything. And it's like the end of the day, sweat off the brow, you're accomplished. Yeah, you look and you're like, we got work done. So then the next week comes, like, all right, what are we going to do today? Oh, well, we're going to set the pergola in the ground and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And it's like, all right, cool. And then the next week, Saturday comes again. And it's like, what are we working on today? And it's like, well, we're going to till the volleyball court, and we're going to do this, and we're going we're gonna to stain the swing, and we're going to stain the deck, and we're going to stain these benches, and a lot of staining. And, uh, and then after that, we're going to weed uh, the gardens again. No. 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 <laughs> we did that two weeks ago. Yeah. You got to do it again. Can you feel me? Anybody else hate weeding as much as I do? You know, it's like you cut the grass, and for 48 hours, the grass looks awesome, right? And then, like, two days later, it's like, mm, the weeds grow faster than the grass, right? Why is that? That's frustrating. And so, okay, we got to do it again. Why? Well, sometimes it's because we got all super excited, and we just started ripping things out, and we didn't get the weeds out by the root right? Sometimes it's not just ignoring the issues, it's getting to the heart of the issues. It's not, why am I, or it's not, huh, I'm depressed, I need Jesus. It's, wait, well, why? Why am I depressed? It's getting to the heart issue. It's not, oh, I'm so ticked off at my significant other right now. Not me, that's never happened. Um, (laughs) Never will happen, I'm sure. And uh, why am I so ticked off at them right now? It's, it's why. It's not just, oh, I'm so ticked off. It's why. Is my heart in the right place? Because most of the time when we feel a lack of peace, a lack of joy, all those things that we know that the Holy Spirit gives us, the fruit of the Spirit, when we feel a lack of those things, most of the time it's because we've allowed our heart to get in a wrong place. You've got to deal with the root issue. You've got to pull that weed out by the root But even still, when you do pull the weed out by the root, some of those stupid little dandelion seeds seeds have already flown over here. And even though you got this thing out by the root, later down the road, you got to come over here and pull out a different root. As long as you're alive, as long as you're a Christian, 
I don't care how mature you get, you will never get beyond needing to be able to preach the gospel to yourself every day. We need it every day because we forget it every day. I want to show you some things in closing what preaching the gospel to yourself every day does. Uh, this is not an exhausted list. Uh, it does more than this. This is just a few examples. One, it removes fear. Preaching the gospel to yourself removes fear. As it says in 1 John four nineteen. perfect love casts out all fear. Who has perfect love? God does. When I consider his perfect love for me, why should I be afraid? The God who is in control of the entire universe loves me. That automatically deductive reasoning there tells me that I have nothing to be afraid of. In Psalms, King David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? What can man do to me? Jesus said in the New Testament, Why fear man who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul? You should fear, you should fear who can kill the body and condemn the soul. And he's talking about fear God. The Apostle Paul, we see this in his life, the reality he has of the gospel when he says, uh, when he says you know guys, I really love being here and preaching to you, but seriously, at the same time, I kind of want to die so I can go to heaven and be with Jesus. That shows a, a reality of the gospel he had, no fear in death. He was not afraid of death because he knew, I mean, you think about it, he was persecuted, stoned, shipwrecked, whipped, beaten, all these things, and what does he say? He says, I don't compare the sufferings of this world, or I don't consider the sufferings of this world to compare to the weight of glory that is to come talking about when he was going to be with Jesus. And so everybody's like, oh yeah, well, we'll kill you. And he's like, man, to live is Christ, to die is gain. <laughs> what are you going to do to someone like that who has the reality of the gospel in their hearts? It gives you boldness. That's why he said in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God and uh, power of God in Christ and to salvation. I'm not ashamed of it. It removes fear. It drives my service and my good works. Colossians 3, 22 through 24 says, Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, meaning your, your worldly leaders, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Meaning, when you're at work, don't just <laughs> close Facebook when the boss comes by and, <laughs> I'm working hard, boss. And then he's gone, all right, I'm back on Facebook again. Or, uh, you know, cleaning really good when the boss is there and then just sweeping under the rug when he's gone. He says, don't do that with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, whatever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto the men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. So it drives my works, it drives my service, it keeps my motives pure. That's the next one. It keeps my motives pure. It checks my heart. I'm aware that God sees not only everything that I do, but he sees my heart in everything I do. Because it's one thing to give in the offering buckets. It's another thing to be a cheerful giver. It's another thing to be aware that God sees your heart when you give. It's another thing. It's one thing to, to help somebody, to get the pat on the back. It's another thing to do it unto the glory of God. Keeps your motives pure. It causes us to live open-handed. When you realize the generosity of God, all that he's given you, 
We can see this accounted in Acts chapter 4. It shows there were thousands of Christians, and it says they had all things in common. That meant that they shared everything, and no one lacked anything because they realized what they had was not their own. When you live in light of the gospel, you preach the gospel to yourself every day, it causes you to live generously. It's not, I feel guilty and I need to give, or it's not the pastor said to give. It's that God has given me so much, his nature is in me now, how can I not give? It strips us from the right to withhold forgiveness. Strips us from the right to withhold forgiveness. When you realize how much you've been forgiven of, you have no right to go, "Uh, I don't forgive you. Jesus gave a parable of this in Matthew chapter 18, where a king had a servant who owed him a great, great, great debt, and he forgave that servant's debt. That servant had another servant under him that had a small debt that he would not forgive, and the king got ticked. Why? Because when you don't forgive someone, you essentially are saying, the wrong that you have done against me is worse than the wrong that I've done against God. Did you catch that? When you are not willing to forgive someone, you're saying, you wronged me worse than I wronged God, which is a lie. That's deception. There's someone today that you need to forgive, you need to make right, you need to reconcile a relationship, you need to do that. It doesn't matter how much you like them or don't like them. If you go continue reading in Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul addresses that. He says, just as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. It's the same way Christ forgave. I'm going to keep going. It destroys self-righteousness and pride. When I'm aware that I've been saved by grace through faith, like I said, it destroys my self-righteousness. I realize it's not my good works. It keeps me humble. I know that it's God who saved me. Like it says in Isaiah, our self-righteousness is like filthy rags. And let me make that a little more real to you. If you want to get down into history and translation there, the filthy rag it's talking about is the rag that women wore that time of the month, back in biblical days. Pastor Stephen, that's kind of offensive. Exactly. Our self-righteousness is that offensive to God. When we're sitting here going, I'm so good. I'm a great Christian. Look at me. Look at all how my good works are. It's essentially us holding up a used woman's product and going, look at me. I'm awesome. Sorry, I'm not trying to be crude, but that is the true offensiveness of our self-righteousness to God. It strips us from pride and self-righteousness. It reminds me how trivial certain things are. Now, I'm going to open up my chest cavity and let you know a little bit about me. The, the idol that I battle very often in my life is sports. I like sports way too much. That's an honest truth that I am confronted with. Katie knows that when the Cowboys lose, yes, pray for me because I'm a Cowboys fan, which means this happens a lot. <laughs> when the Cowboys lose, my day can be ruined. She gets happy when the Cowboys win because I'm not going to be a funky mood all day. That's wrong, though, if I let that affect me like that. It reminds me of the gospel that's just a sport. It's just a game. It reminds me how trivial it is. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, there's 12 chapters of the richest man in history going, I've got it all, I've achieved it all, I've had women, I've had wealth, I've had success, blah, 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 and all of it means nothing. If this is all there is, let's eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die. But we know that that's not all there is because we have life in Christ. There is greater life in him. 
And so it reminds me how trivial certain things are. It reminds me how important other things are, things that we forget matter. It reminds us how much they do matter, walking in love with each other and things like that that we see in the scripture. It confronts my idols. Like I said, I love sports way too much. The church softball team, there was like three weeks in a, go, three weeks in a row that it got rained out and we didn't get to play. And this is sad. This is stupid. But I got really depressed. Like, I'm like, you can ask her. It's sad. It's ridiculous. You can ask her. I'm all like. And she's all like being good, you know, patting my back. It's okay. And then I'm just like, this is dumb. Why am I letting myself get so down over not getting to play softball? In case you're wondering why I have a fat purple lip, it's because I took a softball to the face last week. So, you know, that's so dumb. It confronts our idols, the things that we try and find our fulfillment in that don't fulfill. It reminds us that only Christ fulfills. It helps me resist temptation and sin. When I'm confronted with temptation to sin, when I remember and preach the gospel to myself, I remind I'm dead to sin. I remember I'm dead to sin, alive in God. Um, It causes awe and worship in my heart when I consider everything that God's done for me by His grace, not my works, not my effort. When I consider everything God's done for me, it should make me go, whoa. And that woe is worship. It stirs awe and worship in my heart. And it helps me stay content. Like I said, when I'm house hunting, when I'm car shopping, when I see TV shows or see other people who have so many things and I think I need those things, it reminds me, no, I don't. Like Paul said, I've been abased, or I've been abounded, and I have been abased. I've had a lot, I've had a little, I've been up, I've been down, but I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. Why? Because Christ is all that matters. Christ is enough. Amen? We must never grow tired of hearing, studying, learning, relearning, preaching to ourselves, reminding ourselves of the gospel. Because anytime we're experiencing fear or worry or any of those things that we know that I've explained, all of that is simply from forgetting the gospel. That's all it is. We forget the gospel in those moments and we have to preach the gospel to ourselves. It's the spiritual oxygen in our lungs that we have to breathe in and out every single day regularly to stay alive. Let's all bow our heads. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.